Hi, this is Chris Campbell, and welcome to the Food Institute Podcast. Today, we will be speaking with Angela Fernandez, Vice President of Community Engagement at GS1 US, regarding FDA's blueprint for a new era of food safety. But first, whether you are a first-time listener or are becoming something of a regular, we ask that you share this episode on your social media platforms. It helps us expand our reach, and we really appreciate it when you do so. So with that said, I'll start off by asking Angela how she's doing today. So how are you? I'm doing well, Chris. Thank you. I'm glad to be here and appreciate you having me. We're very excited to have you on the show today. So I guess the place we could start is just giving a little background about yourself and also about GS1. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. So for those who may not be aware of GS1, we are a standards information company. Um, We're not for profit. So what we, most people I would say know us through our first industry standard, which is the UPC barcode and the globally unique number carried within that that was created almost 50 years ago. So we have built upon that foundation for identification of all things in the supply chain, as well as the data structure to exchange that information between trading partners and ultimately providing the right information to the end consumer. So I've been with the organization for about 20 years and have been fortunate enough during my time here to collaborate uh, with industry stakeholders, our manufacturers, distributors, retailers, hospitals, Um, associations, even the technology providers who do enable the use of our standards, really focused around solving supply chain problems. How do they improve their processes? How do they deliver on e-commerce expectations and continue to meet meet the demands of the consumer? So I think that means that you're a perfect candidate to discuss today's topic. You have a lot of background in these standards. And in conversations we had before today's recording, we discussed how the blueprint is both a logical next step for FISMA, but it's not without its differences. So I was wondering if you could give a brief overview of what this voluntary program is and how it will affect consumers and manufacturers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, would love to. The uh, The US FDA released uh, the new era of smarter food safety in mid-July. And what it is, is it's an initiative that's really designed to promote food safety through industry collaboration and the adoption of technology and other modern tools um, needed to create a more digital, traceable, and safer food system. As you mentioned, um, it is FISMA-based, so they're trying to build off of the foundation of what we've been able to do from a regulatory standpoint, but also make sure that it's people-led and, of course, technology-enabled. So if you look at the blueprint, it actually outlines a partnership between government, industry, and public health advocates to help us get there. The vision they've outlined is intending to bring the food supply chain into the digital world and really kind of leave behind the inefficient paper-based processes that uh, was really meant to serve our 20th century consumer. We're hoping that it's going to elevate food safety beyond uh, the Food Safety Modernization Act guidance, as I mentioned, and really build on the progress that we've been able to make through those efforts. If you review the blueprint, there are really four main areas, and Chris, I know we're going to get into them a little bit, but just to kind of highlight them in the overview, uh, the four elements are around tech-enabled traceability. The second is around smarter tools and approaches for prevention. The third is the new business models and retail modernization. And last but certainly not least is the food safety culture. So the main objective is how do we collectively work together to enhance our food safety practices and processes to be able to ensure that the food we're delivering to consumers is is safe. 
So one of the common themes we've seen in the food industry is that the pandemic has accelerated a lot of change that was already slowly happening. And do you think that the new FDA program does the same? So in my opinion, the short answer to that would be yes. Um, the COVID-19 crisis that we are still experiencing really has exposed the fact that we don't have an inoperable food supply chain. It really is imperative that our food system starts to collaborate so that we have enhanced supply chain resiliency. And the supply chain is going to need to be digitized to function more effectively. As a result of the crisis we've seen, consumers, they have higher expectations for e-commerce and contactless options that are going to continue. They're likely going to be pantry loading and opting for food service delivery as we continue to see the pandemic um, continue. And this is going to obviously drive higher demands for transparency in the supply chain. We can't physically touch the product, so we have to be able to deliver the information to the consumer in a way that is complete. It's accurate and ultimately giving the delivery of that item uh, safely. And all of this is really a part of, of the new era in the four pillars that I just talked about. That's enabling us to be more flexible and responsive to these rapidly um, changing times with the consumer. So I'd definitely like to dive into some of the technologies that are going to be used, but I'd first like to ask what the impact will be on participating food industry companies, manufacturers, retailers, food service. How are they going to be impacted by this blueprint for new food safety? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, responding to the new era and what we have been seeing, quite honestly, with the consumer that I just mentioned through this pandemic, it's really going to take more collaboration more automation and communication, especially between those that um, are trading partners within the supply chain. We're seeing that, that companies that do utilize global standards, uh, such as GS1, are really the best prepared for some of those future requirements and being able to enhance their traceability processes and deliver that information to the consumer. Because we're capturing that information, we know what we're talking about, and we're able to make sure that it's delivered. I think companies who have been thinking that the one up and one back method of traceability was good enough are really going to be needing to evaluate their processes and look at some significant changes that do come with the new era. And I want to emphasize as much as technology is inside the new era, it's not just all about digitization. We have to change the culture and the way we're thinking in a food safety first environment. So I would really kind of encourage companies to take a look at how they can work towards implementing more automation for greater efficiency and consumer protection. So I think that goes into a discussion of what kind of technologies will be leveraged by this new program. So could you give a little bit of an explanation on some of the technologies you see companies are using in the uh, current moment? Absolutely. And I think uh, we've heard a lot over the past couple of years um, around blockchain and the exploration of distributed ledger technology for food safety. And the new era does build upon blockchain's gradual maturity. So we have recognized that blockchain does represent an opportunity for traceability to move faster. When you look at the technology um, enablement around smart contracts, immutable ledger, ledgers, 
it all kind of expedites the information that we need to access during a traceback or an investigation. And it can provide the product's provenance and all of the companies who were involved with touching that product or changing that product in any way, which is leading to better transparency opportunities. I think even the um, FDA Deputy Commissioner Frank Giannis was a real trailblazer in the blockchain uh, use of technology during his time at Walmart. So we do recognize that it holds a lot of promise for traceability, but we also can't overlook the preparation and foundation that's needed to be able to utilize that technology, right? So looking at the interoperable food system. We have to get the data right in order to be able to build and use other technologies like distributed ledgers um, and what blockchain offers for us to help provide um, enhanced visibility across the supply chain. So what other types of technologies are companies turning to in the new era of food safety? Yeah, there are other technologies that are mentioned. Um, to name a few, there's reference to AI, Internet of Things, sensors, analytics, and prediction type uh, analytical tools. So looking at the announcement on uh, the blueprint that was made earlier this month, the FTA leaders are discussing not only leveraging technology to trace food in a reactive sense, like a recall or withdrawal that I was just speaking about, but also a need to leverage it to predict issues before they start. So when we look at predictive analytic technologies, we look at things like increasing the use of sensors that allows us to collect and receive information around product movement and quality in real time, and looking at tools and technologies like AI that allow us to process that data in an automated and expedited way. But I do want to say that what's important to underscore is that the blueprint, while it focuses on tech-enabled traceability, that section really does emphasize, as I was talking about a minute ago, the foundational components needed for technology to do its job, right? So in order for things to be interoperable, we have to make sure that our core data set, whether we're creating it or receiving it or we're sharing it with some type of technology, it is all consistent and standardized so that it can be automated and fulfill on that promise. So you've kind of touched on some of these points already, but I'd ask for you to give a quick summary. What is the major benefit for this program then? Is it speed? Is it more reliability and testing? What would you say is the major benefit of adopting this program? Yeah, you're right. Um, I did touch on it a little bit. And I think, you know, the end vision and what's highlighted in the blueprint is really being able to deliver to an interoperable food system. And that is something that uh, Frank Giannis did emphasize during a fireside chat that we had an event called GS1 Digital Connect um, edition. He said that the COVID-19 pandemic was a major test to the food supply chain and it fared well but we know that we can do better to enable food to cross channels more easily. So by looking at some of these elements, the automation, the digitization, the standardization of the data, and looking at our food culture and safety practices would enable us to be more proactive versus reactive, right? Because we would have the ability to view what's transpiring in real time across the supply chain. So I think that's kind of some of the, the benefits that the stakeholders within the food system um, can achieve. When you look at the consumer benefits, um, absolutely, we see them highlighted through, through the blueprint, which is around um, 
we're now growing accustomed to curbside or delivered groceries because of the pandemic. And we, as being those who service those items directly to the consumer, are now going to have to find new ways to align to better support the convenience and contactless options that our consumers are asking of us. So the other side of that question would be, what are the challenges that are going to stem from this for food companies as they adopt the new standards? Yeah, so um, as we know, any kind of change inevitably brings along additional investment or changes to people and processes. And these can be big hurdles to overcome. And what we try to convey as we work with members in the industry is it's really not just a project or a program. It's looking at how we make these changes long-term within our businesses. And I think the first step that we need to look at is to demonstrate that there is shared value for all supply chain partners. So if we if we look inside our internal systems and companies today with what we're doing, we've got good traceability. We have good processes within our organization. I think the key is looking at how do we then share the needed information downstream with our products as they go out um, to other customers. And that's really where the global standards come into play and making sure that we've got that foundation so that as you build and have the capability for investments for additional technology, you can easily make that leap and therefore also be able to get more benefits returned with that enhancement that you're making. So a little bit earlier, you were speaking about these emerging concepts, including curbside pickup, uh, grocerants, you know, third-party delivery. And like I said earlier, I think these were models that were already existent before the pandemic, but really accelerated their popularity because of the pandemic. And I was wondering if you could explain a little bit more about their specific challenges and how the blueprint uh, basically would affect them and kind of fill in some of the gaps in the food safety aspect there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And you're right. The blueprint does look more holistically at the way we as consumers or even shoppers are receiving our food and um, ways that we need to improve that we're keeping it safe. You know, I would say for many years, um, the way we got our food was we physically shopped in supermarkets or we dined in at restaurants. And we did start to see over the past couple of years, a trend in using some of these e-commerce applications, mobile apps, right, with ordering our groceries. But as you mentioned, Chris, it did increase with the pandemic quite a bit. Um, And we did see companies be able to make that shift more easily. But what we've also seen is kind of an expansion on what we're referring to as, as the last mile, right? So today I can have a meal kit shipped to me. I can have my grocer bring the groceries to the trunk of my car or my front door. I can have my favorite sushi restaurant deliver me, you know, my order directly to my front door, right? The list just goes on. And I think as we look at that last mile to the consumer and really every step that our food is taking through that journey, we've got to make sure that we've got assurance on the food being safe and therefore we need to track it. And I think we still have a lot of opportunities to look at that last mile piece, all of the different distribution models that we know of today and ones that will continue to be developed now that we've kind of grown accustomed to some of these new models and and how we want to receive our food to make sure that we do have the standards and the food safety cultures in place to ensure that it is safe all along its new journey. 
So we've already spoken about different uh, avenues of food distribution and how that food gets to consumers. And I'm just wondering if you think that there's a difference in enforcement for the retail and food service sides of the food industry and how this uh, new blueprint actually addresses that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think as we started off, right, we said that the blueprint is voluntary. So this initiative is meant to be kind of guidance for companies that service the food system to be able to have guidance on how to more digitize their supply chain and enhance their food safety uh, processes. And so I think as we look at some of the rules coming in September for the Food Safety Modernization Act, what the blueprint does is it allows us to go a little bit further with that. And what I mean by that is that um, the supply chains, while they are different, there are still a lot of opportunities to move product from one supply chain to another. And this became very clear during the pandemic. We took things that were meant for food service and diverted them into the retail supply chain. Now, we weren't able to do that across the board, which is why I noted earlier, we don't truly have an interoperable food system yet. But we were able to transfer some of those items. And I think the idea of the blueprint will help us be able to make that shift more easily as we move forward. And so some of the efforts that we saw come out during the pandemic, like with the International Food Service Distributors Association and FMI, where they were matching suppliers to food service distributors to try to divert the market, um, would be things that we would be able to have as part of our process as opposed to opportunities as we move forward. So we've already spoken about how this program is voluntary, and I think that's an important note uh, about the program. But in your estimation, would you advise food companies adopt this now instead of waiting? Yes. So at GS1 US, I think we have been working on traceability with the food industry for um, about 10 years now. And it truly is a marathon, right? It's not a sprint. And it doesn't happen overnight. It's something that we continue to work towards enhancing as we've got flexibility within investment people and, and processes, as I kind of mentioned earlier. So what we would actually recommend is for companies to look at their internal systems. I was talking earlier about how we do really well, right, with making sure that we're capturing the right information in the right way but really focusing on how we standardize that and move it on to the next partner so that we're not passing on proprietary information that impedes traceback investigations. The second thing that um, we would suggest is doing that technology assessment, seeing what part of your processes are still very much manual versus automated and seeing what small steps could be taken in the near term that would help provide some advancements into the vision that's been laid out by the FDA. So I think that about wraps it up for us on this episode of the Food Institute podcast. Uh, once again, I'd like to thank Angela for her time today. Angela, where can our listeners go to learn more about GS1 and your recent projects? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're more than happy to visit us at our website, which is GS, the number one, us.org. We've got a number of traceability resources out there, um, some helpful guidance documents kind of getting started. You know, what do I need to look at first as we were just talking about, Chris? And of course, um, our current work efforts. So we are doing some pilots with Leafy Greens, with some other industry associations, as well as the FDA in support of the new era of smarter food safety. And all that information can be found there. So thank you. 
Well, thank you. We'll definitely share the relevant links in the description of this video. So remember, if you're new to the Food Institute podcast, please follow, like, and share. If you'd like to learn more about the Food Institute, please take a look at the links in our description to learn more about us and what membership could do for you and your company. So until next time, this is Chris Campbell signing off. Thank <music> you.